that relationship right. So we have talked again extensively, extensively about our relationship with our family, with our brothers and sisters and co-workers and uh, those that we'll uh, maybe attend school with. Uh, if you do not have an outline of the sermon, please raise your hand. Everyone that does not have an outline of the sermon, Brother Steve will make sure you get one. We want you to have one. And we'd like for you to uh, read along with us, if you will. Again, from uh, the book of Galatians, chapter 4. Let's begin reading with verse 7. Tychicus, a beloved brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me. And Paul says he was sending Tychicus. I am sending him to you for this very purpose that he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts with Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. They will make known to you all things which are happening here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you with Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, about whom he received instructions. If he comes to you, he says, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are my fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are of the circumcision. They have proved to be a comfort to me. They were, these were the three of Paul's friends and co-workers that were Jewish. And that's the reason he puts it that way. Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you always laboring. And I put these here out of the Amplified uh, and the meaning of the word always laboring or wrestling fervently, pleading for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has a great zeal for you. And those who are in Laodicea and those in Hierapachus, period, Luke, the beloved uh, physician, and Demas greet you. Greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and Nymphes and the church that is in his house. Now when this epistle is read among you, see that it is read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea, and say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. This salutation by my own hand, Paul. Remember, he says, my chains, grace be to you. Amen. And if you would read Ephesians chapter 6, verses 21 and 22, you'd find that this same salutation, almost word for word, is spoken concerning the church at Ephesus as it was concerning the church at Colossae. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. May you... Help us, dear God, not only to be informed, but to be transformed. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Paul here is affirming his colleagues. And you might read through the Bible and read these particular scriptures. Also in uh, uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 4, it just gives names. In fact, some of these names are 
are very hard to pronounce. Others will pronounce it one way and some will pronounce it another. And you would say, this is something I don't need. And maybe even stop reading when you get to these inverses of Paul's epistles, whether it's Romans, whether it's Colossians, or some of the other epistles that he has written. Because you say, I don't know that I have anything to do with this particular text, with, with these guys, and with these people. Now understand that Paul had, someone said, about 66 co-laborers working with him, people that worked with him. And by the way, ladies, 22, about 22 of those 66 were women, were ladies, that Paul had ministering with him. And you'll notice the uh, introduction, and I'll explain it if, as we go through it. In Colossians chapter 4, read it with me, you have it. The Apostle Paul lists eight less familiar names from the early church. Paul's shout out to these saints reminds us of the vast majority of Christians who quietly play important roles in the kingdom of God. And notice what we say in the next sentence. Even though these mentions are brief, they contain lifelong lessons for us today. Quoting from Trevin Wax. Some of these carry out their work primarily in a local setting. Others travel with Paul or serve as his delegates when he cannot travel. Still, all, all 66, and ever how many they were, all of his co-workers act cooperatively with him in a wide variety of mission activities. There were many pillows in the early church. And as I said, of those were many women and ladies that the Apostle Paul named and that the book of Acts records. And again, you say, Pastor, what are we going to get from this? Uh, what are we going to receive from all of these names and from these verses that are uh, maybe not familiar, we're familiar with. Well, let's look at it, if you will, the people with the Apostle Paul. First of all, we have uh, Tychicus, which probably was from Ephesus. He was a tried companion in toil and peril. Then you have the one that we talked about uh, just a few weeks ago, the young man Onesimus, which was a slave to Philemon. A whole book is written about this young man, how that he left his master from uh, uh, Colossae and went 1,200 miles to Rome. There he found the apostle Paul, which he was serving in prison, in a house a prison, and he was converted through and by the ministry of the apostle Paul. And Paul sends him back with a letter to his master Philemon. And it's just a great story, not only of the love of Onesimus or Onesimus and Philemon and Paul, but a love that Jesus Christ has for the church. And that's what we learn about. And it's very important. And we name him a trophy of grace, just a great port of love and forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you know that we at one time were slaves to the devil, slaves to sin, 
slaves to the world, slaves to our own lust, slaves to our own pride, slaves to whatever. And yet Jesus Christ comes along and releases us. And he's still our master, but we are free. And you'll find out that this man, Onesimus, goes and ministers to other churches and ministers in so many ways. Aristarchus, number three of Thessalonica, Thessalonica, one of the first fruits of Europe. Europe. Now he is a, listen to this, a volunteer prisoner. And I want to talk more about that because he served with Paul in prison, not necessarily because he, because he had to, but because he wanted to be a help and he certainly wanted to minister to him. Number four, you have the man Mark. At one time, he left Paul and Barnabas. But now notice what we say. He's enjoying the fullest confidence of the apostle Paul. Then you have a man by the name, and this is the only place and the only time that you'll ever hear this name in the Bible, Jesus, which changed his name to Justice. Someone said he did that simply out of respect for Jesus Christ himself. He was a Hebrew Christian, otherwise unknown, yet worthy of honor in all ages. Notice all, we notice the next, Epaphras, probably a founder of the church at Colossians, the very letter that was sent. And here he's sending, uh, here he's sending uh, Tychicus, and he's sending Onesimus with the letter to Colossae. But here's the founder of the church, Epaphras. And the Bible says he prayed for them. And the next one we have is Luke. And most of us know of Luke, which wrote not only the book of Luke, but the Acts of the Apostles. In fact, someone said that Paul wrote most of the book, uh, most of the uh, New Testament. He did not. Luke wrote most of the New Testament. When you add up the chapters and the verses in Luke and the chapters and the verses in Acts, you'll find out that that's more written than even the Apostle Paul with all of his 13 epistles. So this was a great man, the first medical missionary, a minister to the soul as well as to the body. And then last, maybe even least, was Demas. Demas, he's mentioned here without any commendation. Paul doesn't say anything about him, doesn't commend him in any way. Still, at that time, a fellow laborer in the Lord. Wow. That's about as exciting as that announcement was for the nursery while ago. I never have seen that, that and I'm not knocking it. I'm, I thank God for it. I just never have seen people running to, to, tend, uh, to attend a nursery. But I believe during this service, maybe God will lay something on your heart to help work in the nursery. Let me tell you, Priscilla... Westbrook and these ladies and these guys that help with the children, they have the, some of the most important positions in this church. And the nursery, somebody say amen, is a great place to work. Thank you for that announcement. <laughs> I thought about it when, when she made that announcement. I said, I don't think we're going to have anybody running to say, hey, I want to do the nursery. 
God help us to know what's important and what's less important. And taking care of the nursery is mm, very important. Amen. But this is important also. These names are important. And we're going to learn something from them this morning. So buckle your seatbelts. Let's learn something. You got to learn something sometimes. Somebody said, I, I go to school to learn. I don't want to go back to school. Well, we're going to learn something today. And it's going to be spiritual. We're going to get an understanding about how God teaches us and leads us. And we're going to take uh, and look at the portrait of these men and see what God is teaching us for today. Let's look at the truths and the lessons that we learn from these folks. First of all, uh, Tychicus, we need, as we look at him, to be faithful, encouraging others. Notice what it says in the scripture that we read into your hearing. Tychicus, a beloved brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord will tell you all the news about me. I am sending him to you for what? This very purpose that he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts. We need to know more about people than we do know. I'm not talking about being nosy. I'm not talking about wanting to control their lives. I'm talking about knowing when they hurt, knowing when they have a need, knowing either allowing God to show you or ask questions. He says, I'm going to have him to come to you. He's a, he's a servant. He's going to tell you all the news about me. I've got one place here that I wrote down in number six under number Roman numeral number three. Number three, accountability, accountability, accountability. We're living in a day in which nobody wants to be accountable anymore. We want to be able to lie and steal and live like we want to, shack up like we want to, and not be accountable anymore to anybody. Don't you get mad at me. It's true. Paul says, I want him to come and tell you all about me. How would you like for someone to leave here and go out and tell someone about you, all about you? That's what he was doing. And we learned from him that we can encourage people. Not criticize them, not look down on them, not be jealous of them. Not shun them, but know them and love them even in their weaknesses and encourage them. What a church. What a call. Someone says, I want to preach. Just go encourage somebody. Buy them a meal. Talk to them. Pray with them. Cry with them. Laugh with them. Hurt with them. Tychicus was an encourager. Onesimus, despair. Of no one. You know what his name meant? Useful. <laughs> Again, he's the slave. Someone said Paul didn't deal with slavery. Oh, yes, he did. If you want to know how Paul dealt with slavery, look at Philemon. Because he took, he took that situation and he turned it around. And Onesimus was released, 
was freed and became a minister of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how he dealt with it. And this man Onesimus, he, he stole from his master. He ran away 1,200 miles. He got saved, born again, went back to Philemon and became a blessing to him. Someone says the gospel turns uselessness into usefulness. Are you useless? Or I just love that statement. The gospel turns uselessness into usefulness. Are you useless? I'm afraid some women are married to useless. And some guys are too. You know, <laughs> be useful. Be useful around the house. Be useful to the church. Did we just come and warm the church pew and we go and we do our own thing and we go for six days and we're back the seventh day to warm that same spot? Oh God, I know I'm hard today. I know. You took communion, you gotta love me. If you don't, it might make you sick. I mean, he was useful. Oh, Nisimus was turned around from being someone that stole and running away to someone says, I want to be there. I want to help you. And I want to reach out my hand to you and bless you. I love this. I love these guys. I just love it. Aristarchus, look at what? We must be willing to suffer for the gospel's sake. I know We're not supposed to have to suffer. We're not supposed to have to go through trials and tests. We're not not supposed to have to pay the price. We're not supposed to have a cross. I mean, we're living in a day when you can go to church and live like you want to, do what you want to, and nobody says anything about it. There's no cross to carry. You don't have to do this and that and the other. Just come and let somebody pat you on the back, and you're fine just like you are. But here, this man, this man, Aristarchus, he was willing to go to prison with Paul. A little quiet in here. We must be willing to suffer for the gospel's sake. Mark. Look, 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 look at the teaching that Mark. If you fall, keep getting up. I don't know if one of us here that at times we hadn't fallen in some way. You ever stump your toe spiritually? Wow, boy, that did hurt. You ever get kicked on the shin spiritually and you fell down? And the devil says you might as well stay there. You tried and tried to overcome this habit. You've tried and tried to be victorious in this area and you're right back again. You fell down again. You sinned again. You went on that computer and looked at things you should not have looked at. You said things that you shouldn't have said. You gossiped when you know you should not have gossiped. And the devil says, time out. You might as well just call it quits. Listen, if you fall down, get up and go again. That's what Mark did. Even Paul says, I don't want him around me. (laughs) Let him go with you, Barnabas. He's not going with me. I'll take Silas with me. He fell down. Mark did. 
but he got back up. A righteous man, Proverbs says, will fall seven times, but he'll get back up and go again. Oh, God, Mark teaches me something. He teaches me when I'm, though I'm weak at times, and though I do say things I shouldn't say, and though I stumble, I can get up, and, and God will accept me, put his arms around me, and I can be a minister of the gospel. He wrote the book of Mark, mind you. Wow. Teach me something, Mark. Teach me how much God loves me. Teach me how many times that I can fall. Not that I'm looking to fall. Not that I'm wanting to fall. Not that I fall purposefully. But Mark teaches us something today. Jesus' justice. I love this. His name was Jesus and he changed it to justice. Look look, look, look what we have next to that. Make your Christianity your first identity. Someone says, what do you do? Oh, I work so-and-so. I work at the Triangle, in, in the Triangle. I do thus and so over in Chapel Hill. Or I work at Duke, or I do this. Listen, let me tell you what I do. First, first and foremost, I work for Jesus. What's your career? Oh, I'm going to make so-and-so my career. Let me tell you what our career ought to be. It ought to be working for the kingdom of God. That other job's just secondary. And no matter where I work at, if I work at Duke, I'm working for Jesus. No matter where I work at, I'm work, and that's what he did. He put Jesus first. The only place, as I said, he was mentioned. Epaphras, contend for others in prayer. Look, look at what he, and, and I, if, if the Lord will let me, I love this man so much. And I don't know when I've enjoyed studying a sermon anymore than I enjoyed studying this. When I first looked at it, I said, I don't know if I can get anything out of this. And the more I read, the more I studied, the more I prayed, it just kept giving and giving and giving. And this man, Epaphras, I may want to deal with him next week because I want you to notice what it says. Epaphras, verse 12, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you always, always laboring, wrestling. Fervently pleading for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and what? Say it. Is it up there? Oh, I'm sorry. And complete. Let me, let me, a little side note if you allow me to do this. Look at, look at Colossians 2 and 10. Paul said, and you are complete in him. This is right back to the second chapter, the 10th verse. Paul said to the church, he said, you are complete in him. And here Paul is talking about Epaphras saying, he's praying, praying that you will be complete. Now, who are you going to believe? Which one are you going to believe? Are you complete or are you not complete? If you're complete, why is he praying that you'll be complete? I mean, it can get confusing, can't it? It's not confusing at all. It's great teaching. It's great understanding of the scripture. It's a great understanding of our position in Jesus Christ. And it's a great understanding sometimes of our struggles in the Lord. But this man prayed fervently. Someone said, and I love this, to pray is to put the understanding in motion. To pray is to put the affections in motion. 
To pray is to put the will in motion. A couple of Wednesday nights ago, Brother Dan did about as good on prayer as anything I've heard, maybe ever. It was just so wonderful on this subject of prayer. I want to say that again. To pray is, first of all, to put the understanding in motion. To pray is to put the affections in motion. To pray is to put the wheel in motion. You know, you can drive a car. You ever drive down the highway and you get down the road and you say, I don't remember. I was just thinking and thinking. I didn't even have my thoughts on what I was doing. I was just driving because it's so natural. I just drove, made sure I stayed over on my side of the road. And I was just driving down the road and just, you know. You ever, you ever go to church and worship and, 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 and you're standing there just going through the motion? No. You see, praying has all three of those equal. You can drive without having to think a whole lot. Of course, you may get a ticket if you, if you do the wrong thing. You can worship. Of course, I believe you ought to worship with your understanding. I believe we ought to worship with our affections and our passions. And I think we ought to worship certainly with our will. So this man, this man, Epaphras, contended for others in prayer. And then Luke, use your occupation for the glory of God, as I said a while ago. No matter what your occupation might be. If you know anything about Paul, you know he was mistreated. If you know anything about Paul, you know he was beaten several times. He was beaten until they thought he was dead. They beat him, whipped him so much they thought he was dead. He was thrown, kicked, mistreated. Who do you think bandaged him up? I believe it was Luke. I think he took him in, cleaned him. Put medicine on those stripes. Doctored him. Looked after him. I thought thought about that. Luke was not only a writer. Luke was not only a minister of the gospel. He was a physician. And so our vocation, when it comes to our spiritual side and our secular side, it can all work together. We try, we try to separate. I'm going to church now. I mean, I'm going to get spiritual now. I'm going to sing now. I'm going to pray now. It's all about the same thing. We all are together, working together. No matter where we work, no matter what we do, we all are working for the kingdom of God. Luke, this great man, used his occupation for the glory of God. Demas, watch out. That you do not turn back. You don't pastor for 47 years and not see people turn back. Does it grieve you? Yeah. Did you cry many times? Yeah. To watch people go back. 
Paul was writing to Timothy. Timothy was, oh God, this was man was. You ought to study the life of Timothy. Paul was writing to Timothy and he said something. He said, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. He didn't say he had forsaken God, although I believe he did. I believe he forsook the ministry. Can you imagine the pain? Because Timothy and Demas were close, they were buddies, they were friends. And I imagine when Paul picked up that pen to write to Timothy, he's in prison, you know. Paul was. And wrote to Timothy, I believe it, it grieved him. The St. Demas has left me. Having loved this present world. And when you see a brother or sister that's on fire for God. Faithful in church. Attending the house of the Lord and paying their tithe. Even active in the church. Then all of a sudden something happens and you see them getting cold. And they wonder why the pastor is troubled because he knows spiritually this person is backsliding. They don't have to say anything. And he sees them getting further and further away from God. And then it's easier and easier to stop paying your tithes and stop going to church. And so I think if there's anything that Demas teaches us today, watch out that you do not turn back. Let me ask you something. What is there to go back to? What is that? The person that we have recorded in the Old Testament that turned, even looked back, turned into a pillar of salt. Don't turn back. Let me hurry out. My time is going. I want you to look at number three. This this will bless you, folks. Stay with me. Don't let your mind wander. Your understanding, your affection, and we'll hold it right here. Okay, here we go. Uh, I believe that caring godly relationships, caring relationships, caring godly relationships among among believers are at the heart of God's purpose for the church. God just didn't have us here to have pews and carpet and music. He just didn't have us here to have preaching and singing. God had us here to have a relationship. And I believe that's among the most important thing when it comes to church, the kingdom of God, and serving of the Lord. Lesson number one, service is usually best in companionships. We can work better when we work together. God's flock, his sheep, pull together, work together. Number two, communion is strength. Solitude is weakness. I don't want to be part of the church. I don't want to be part of this group. I don't want to do this. You know, we have so many activities in this church, so many ministries in this church. Whether you count Sunday morning for prayer at 9 o'clock, 9.30. Whether you count the one hour and a half that we stay here for service. Whether you count the uh, Wednesday morning at 10 o'clock here. Or the Friday morning 
or for, I'm sorry, Friday evening that we have for prayer, whether you count Wednesday evening, let me tell you something. Something is happening in this church on Wednesday evening. The power of God meets in this place on Wednesday. Around this altar, tremendous praying. Great teaching. You'll enjoy it. Communion is strength. Solitude is weakness. The social element of a social element, rather, is the genius of Christianity. The coming together, us socially being together, loving each other, knowing we hurt, knowing we're able to pray for and to bless others. Ministry, number three, is teamwork. Amen? Ministry is teamwork. Ministry is teamwork. Do you see it in the Olympics where they had to have teams? Whether it's the basketball or whether it's the relay or whatever it might be, some, of course, are individual. Ministry is teamwork when we work together. Number four, our success as a believer depends in large part to the network of companions. I want to ask you, I've already asked you before I get there. Who are or who is your companion? Who do you really enjoy being around? Whether it's at school, whether it's at work, whether it's at play, whether it's just at our leisure time, who are your companions? Who are your friends? They'll either make you stronger or weaker. Let me say that again. Your friends that you pal around with, that you associate with, they will either make you stronger or weaker. Who are your friends? You can't divorce leadership this is John Maxwell. You can't divorce leadership from relationship. It takes that relationship. And then there's that accountability. Accountability. Are you accountable to anyone? Are you struggling with a habit? I'm going to tell you guys, especially the guys, if you struggle with pornography, one of the best antidotes for that is to be accountable to somebody. Fell right down there, but that's good good preaching right there. I'll tell you what. Doesn't matter what you're struggling with, if you'll confess it, confess it before God. Confess this let somebody that you know loves God, that prays that you be accountable to. Want to be accountable to them. So I'm accountable to nobody. <laughs> Do my own thing when I want to. Yeah. You do that. You'll get yourself in a whole heap of trouble. A lot of people in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, they were not accountable and they found themselves isolated from God. Don't mind being accountable to somebody. In fact, if you're not, make, it an, make an effort to make sure that you are. Can you be entrusted with the gospel? This, listen to this, this man Tychicus and Onesimus, those two men were sent with that letter to the church at Colossae. Can, what if God would take and put that letter in your hand and say, go, I want you to go and I want you to take it to the church. I want it to be, I want it to be read in Laodicea. 
I want it to be read everywhere you go. I want you to read this. I want you to read this letter to this entire church. But you know what? God has entrusted the gospel to us. Just like that. These two men were faithful. These two men were credible. They were able to carry this letter and to preach the gospel to this church. And it stands even for today. Is our career for Christ? And then the last one, who are your companions? They will, as I said, either weaken you or they will strengthen you. Powerful words taken from the salutation of the Apostle Paul, written not only to the church at Colossae, but the church at Ephesus. Words that are so important for us today. Men that we need to look at their lives. We need to look at what they stood for and what they stood against. We need to look at their actions, their character. We need to glean from Paul's writing to these men and about these men. So you and I might be better Christians. That we might be able to serve God in a better, in a a freer way. That's good stuff right there. Pray with me. Father, we love you today. I thank you. I thank you so much for these that you've allowed us to get to know today. Lord, for Tychicus, this man that was such a a companion, this man that was so faithful to encourage others. Onesimus, that we might understand and know the very grace and love and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Aristarchus, may we be willing to suffer to carry the cross as Aristarchus was. Mark, May we be restored if we've fallen away, if we've, if we've given up in some areas, if we've given up, Lord, help us to be willing to say, forgive me. And Lord, get back up again and don't allow the enemy to keep us burdened down. God grant it. Jesus, justice. God help us to be willing to play second fiddle. Help us to be willing to be behind the scenes. Help us to be willing that our name is never mentioned. But let Jesus Christ be first and foremost in our lives. And God help us to learn how to pray like Epaphras did. God help us to learn how to pray like Epaphras did. God I pray that we would pray fervently. That we would pray with an understanding. That we would pray passionately. That we would pray with zeal. That we would pray willfully, dear God. Help us to be like him. Luke, dear God. Help us to take our means, our talents, our abilities and work for the kingdom. Help us to be willing, Lord, to let our career be the kingdom of God. And working for Jesus Christ, your son. Demas. May we be ever reminded that we should never look back. That we should never turn back. That we should never give up. That we should never give in. Oh God, these men teach us something. May we grasp the truths 
of your word. In Jesus' name. As a praise